again, again. <laughs> Do you need a towel fucking break? Up How is it going over there? Again, I might need one. It's fucking <laughs> everywhere. What you don't know is I snuck over to Texas and shook it before we started recording. <laughs> don't mind me, Jake. Don't mind me. I don't. I feel like this is a good uh, analogy of how the movie draft is going for me. <laughs> that was- that's actually true. Okay. Well, glad that that's over with. Welcome to Movie Boners. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Stupid beer blowing up on me. As if I did I something I hope it's worth wrong. it. Jeez. What beer are you drinking? <laughs> I I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Let me try it. You, you tell, tell us about your beer first. Okay. Jake. Well, my beer is on theme, of course. Uh, it is from the Loveland Ale Works in Loveland, Colorado. And it is called... Actually, I think it's a collaboration with the Wiley Roots Brewing Company as well. I don't know where they're from. And it's called Fluffer Nutter from Another Mutter. Mother. Fluffer Nutter from Another oh. Mother Pastry <laughs> Stout. And it's a pastry stout, All which right. I never had before, with marshmallow and peanut butter flavor. And uh, it's pretty good. That's what a Fluffer Nutter is. sweet. That's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, mine yeah. is also on point. Um. Mine is a uh, IPA because they're delicious. But mine is a uh, Mama tries. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the beer's not too bad. Not too bad. Worth <laughs> worth the wait. I hope. Well, yeah. yeah. Now that that right. uh, painful situation is over with let's get into the painful situation of the movie draft so bad (laughs) worst part of the show (laughs) well sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't it kind of depends for you right now yes it is no it is the worst (laughs) part of the show for me uh yeah you're not (sighs) doing good not doing great have not moved much since last time we've checked in uh some things to note a couple of days ago when we were recording this, May 5th, uh, Love Again came out, as did Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the interesting thing is that Love Again made about 1% of the Guardians of the Galaxy box office, which is you know, <laughs> bad in general. Also, Guardians of the Galaxy passed John Wick Chapter 4 as the highest rated movie so far this year at an 8.4 if that holds. Yep, And uh, I thought I was actually... So this is some good news for you. I thought I was going to close the gap in the Rotten Tomatoes uh, projection because Big George Foreman came out a couple weeks ago. Or the full title is Big George Foreman, The Miraculous Story of the Once and Future Heavyweight Champion of the World. It came out and uh, the difference between the critics rating and the audience rating at Rotten Tomatoes is a whopping 52%. And I thought that would help my average, which is my average is not very good (laughs) compared to yours. Yours is double more than double mine. However, since then love again, the critics gave it a 17% at Rotten Tomatoes and audiences gave it a 94%, which gave it a 77% (laughs) difference. That's 
crazy to me. It seems to be a perfectly fine movie that people are enjoying enough to recommend. But yeah, yeah. so that's that's yeah. where Love Again is. Um, yeah. Also, Bo is Afraid is getting a little bit more box office. Still a long ways to reach its budget, $35 million, though. It's kind of a massive a bomb for A24, uh, as far as box office goes. It's kind of flopped, especially compared to yeah. Hereditary and Midsummer. Those were $82 million and $48 million. So that's, you know, bad in general. And then final thing, Super Mario Brothers passed a billion dollars all on its own. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> it really did. Chris Where's Pratt it? has like the two highest grossing movies of the year. Uh, that guy knows how to movie, apparently. Yeah, it's a good year for to be Chris Pratt, that's for yeah, sure. Chris Pratt. Yeah, Guardians, I think, Damn, past his projection of 250 million for opening weekend. Uh, so that should go pretty yeah. far, I think. But it's my only movie in May. So this is going to be the May of Dustin. And you get Fast X and Little Mermaid and <laughs> Spider Man. Spider Man will be good. So yeah. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, yeah. We don't got to see the graph, Jake. God damn it. <laughs> I like the graphs. The graphs it's so are bad already. You don't have to. <laughs> All right. I know you do. On. I know. I'm just being a sore loser. <sighs> sore losing person. You haven't lost yet. There's a long ways to go. We're not even halfway through yeah, the year. True. True. We kind of are yeah. about halfway through the year. <laughs> We're very close. We're like a month away. Uh, have you seen anything new? I did. I saw three new movies. And I saw Evil Dead Rise, which was not bad. It was very fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was very entertaining. Uh, good nods to the original without trying to be like super uh, member berry about it, or at least I didn't feel like that. Yeah. Um, I saw Bo is Afraid. Okay. And that movie sucked. It's so bad. I <laughs> can't believe serious? it has that good of a rating. I'm Are serious. I fucking hated that movie. You are so not much. joking. No, dead serious. Wow. Fucking hated that movie. Absolutely terrible movie. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he lost it. Like his brilliance. He lost it on this one. I think okay. he got too ambitious. The movie bothered me. It was so boring. It was just uninteresting and it just kept getting weird just to be weird. Mm. And when they finally had an opportunity to redeem the movie, I was excited. I was like, okay, here we go. Like if you do this one thing, it'll completely redeem the whole movie mm -hmm. and I will love it. And then he takes a hard left into <laughs> absurdity that just, I was like the theater. Okay. So the theater was pretty full when I saw it everyone just like left that movie just groaning like <laughs> what the fuck was that oh no i couldn't believe it i was, I was like and then i saw the rating on imdb being like 7.3 or 7.4 mm -hmm. and i was like no that movie deserves like a hard three damn <laughs> brutal okay i hated it 
the more I think about that movie, the more I'm just like, nope, that movie sucks. <laughs> hated it. Interesting. <laughs> that is very disappointing. So when you tell me that hear, it's basically a bomb for, but at the same time, I want to say I'm more intrigued to watch it to see how I feel if I agree or not. I would be intrigued to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. But I don't have high hopes that you would enjoy it as much as I think you want to. Yeah, I do have high hopes already. Or I did until now. I was so mad during that movie. <laughs> so mad during it. <laughs> Loved every moment of Guardians. It was fantastic. It's a perfect finale to the trilogy. Uh, it, I loved it. Good. And that made me happy. Yeah. What do you see, yeah. Jake? Uh, I saw a handful yeah. of things. I started season two of From, that show that I told you is great and crazy. Uh, the second season started, it is mm -hmm. also great and crazy. I haven't watched it yet. I freaking love this show. I want it to go so many seasons that everybody needs to watch from a show that you probably never heard of. Uh, it's wild and scary and mysterious. So it's been great. I finally watched 65, the dinosaur space movie. Um, and it was weirdly paced it, there. It does weird things with the writing that I was like a little confused about. It felt like it should be a family movie a lot of the time. And then it was also like pretty violent. And I was like, well, I don't really know where this movie's going. So I, I feel like 65 is very mid overall. It was fine, but it wasn't great. And it also tries to do a lot of relational interstellar things, but a lot worse without any setup or payoff. Um, so I was, yeah, not really there for it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's all I'm watching. Uh, before we get in the episode, I was going to ask you though, on the topic of current events, yeah, do you have any opinions about the writer strike that just recently happened? Um, so I haven't followed too closely to it. Um, mm -hmm. I get it, sure. and a lot like the last time the writer strike happened. Um, I got it then too. It was for the same reasons. They're not getting paid what they feel is fair. Mm -hmm. And I guess uh, wages in the entertainment business, there's never a, a base. Like, you know, normal jobs have base pays. Everyone can pretty much guess what you're going to make per, because it's all hourly. But entertainment right. business, it, it is not based hourly. It's I don't even know if anyone who actually writes the checks even knows how they actually pay out people. Um, but I get it. I get it. I saw a good example of one. Um, what was the show called, though? Uh, it was some like cooking show on Hulu or okay. something that came out in the last year. Won a ton of awards, best writing, best like comedy drama series or whatnot. Won all these awards, but the writers, I guess, are still like barely having enough money in their pocket to pay their monthly rent. <laughs> and so the it was presented as this high-rated show, this piece of entertainment that these guys wrote yeah. and created, and the creators are like 
struggling just on basic living. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas everyone else has gone on, like they don't even bat an eye because they get hundreds of millions of dollars for whatever. Right. Um, so I definitely get it. Um, it's a bummer because it has a huge ripple effect. And if you enjoy entertainment, mm-hmm. for those that don't know or quite get what's happening, um, you're not going to get anything new for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last writer's strike, we're old enough to remember the last writer's strike from like 2008. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like that lasted almost a year. It lasted a really yeah, long time. It lasted a long time. So anything that was about to go into production is now on hold. So mm-hmm. if anything was already in post-production, that's okay. So the movies that are slated for the rest of the year, they're still good for the most part. Yeah. Um, but after that, everything's on hold. And that's yeah. what happens with the writer's room is because these guys, but they do constant rewrites on sets. That's why everything's on hold because now there is no one doing rewrites. And uh, crew members and actors and directors mm-hmm. all kind of as like solidarity they're all basically on strike right now too so the only people not on strike are producers <laughs> i think some of it's solidarity i think some <laughs> so, of it is also getting fucked over because i think true a lot of when the writers go on strike production shuts down and so if you're in makeup or lighting or yeah. camera operators or whatever you don't have a job suddenly because somebody else wants more money uh which even if they have a valid reason kind of sucks for you trying to get your paycheck. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, huge snowball effect. I get it. It sucks. Um, I do also feel for all the other people whose jobs are now suddenly mm-hmm. like on hold. Uh, Cause you don't get paid to go on strike. I... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't have, terribly strong opinions about it generally i think i I saw i watched a couple of interviews from these writers on the picket line and there's some funny well-known people that are out there and so it's kind of interesting to watch them and they make silly signs and stuff so it's kind of funny um but i seem like one of their main complaints is that the royalty checks they get from stuff that they've written before is like gone down a lot on streaming and streaming they really don't know how to figure out what to do with royalties for all of these people who've and so these things get streamed and watched and consumed in their old movies and generally you would get a, a check whenever someone whenever like a tv station played one of your yeah. things that you wrote before whether like it's in syndication or whatever um but and, and so there's complaining that there's like not a lot of good competition between all these different streaming sources and stuff that kind of own one thing and they're able to, and then they don't play very much in royalties for that one thing. Like yeah. the contracts are just weird, but it's weird to me that they would complain about competition in that industry when you're in a little literal writer's guild like you're in a union and nobody who's not in that union can come in and write for a show. Like you can't get new ideas or new competition off the street. You have to join the club in order to be in the guild 
and then only approved writers are able to write for certain things or only approved grips are able to yeah. work on certain jobs. Just the whole union thing I'm not really down with. But uh, in general, yeah, I think it suck. it's awkward to have everything put on hold all of a sudden, and it sucks for the people whose day-to-day life is affected. Um, and it will be very interesting for next year's draft to see what movies are actually coming out. <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah, because like the last half of the year – there's a lot of movies that are not in post-production yet. Mm-hmm. They're still filming some stuff and their movie is slated for a few months down the road. Mm-hmm. They're on hold. So it'll be interesting to find out like if stuff is going to start getting, but I haven't seen anything get officially postponed yet. Yeah. Still um, new though, except for movies getting ready to go into production. Uh, mm-hmm. So <laughs> one of those being, James Gunn's Superman movie is yeah. on hold right now. Although he wrote the script, but they can't go into further process at the moment. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if like he gets a little gray area leeway. Mm-hmm. But I feel that would be completely against the whole thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be yeah, interesting. It'll- uh, to see what kind of starts going on from here on down the road. But yeah, the writer's strike, I feel like it just kind of happened. I don't really watch yeah. the news. So I, I found out about it from just like, you know, bored scrolling on Instagram. And mm-hmm. a couple of the people I follow, like celebrity wise, were like, oh, we're in solidarity with the guys. And I get that. I also can't help but feel that some of these uh, celebrity faces are only showing mm-hmm. solidarity because it keeps their face in the spotlight. Yeah. It's the new popular thing. Yeah. It's not cool to uh, support <laughs> Ukraine anymore, so now it's... they're going to support writers. <laughs> you got to keep up with the trend, man. It's all it's about true. the trending topic. Yep, that's how you keep your name in the news. Yeah. That's the name of the game. It'll be interesting. I kind of like, I don't watch a lot of shows. Like the most Mm -hmm. shows I watch these days are old shows that are no longer on. They did their run. (laughs) That's what I watch because. Yeah. I'm watching like the final season of things. Like (laughs) Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is ending. Barry is ending. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching those. And I, so, yeah, I don't have any like, except from except if they freaking cancel from because of this, well, I will for, be very it, upset. It wouldn't get canceled. It would just be put on hold until it gets put on hold long enough that everybody moves on with their lives to different things. And it just dies, which that can happen actually. Yeah. <laughs> it could lose its audience. There's a lot. It could go sideways. It really could. It really could. So it'll be interesting to see if this strike lasts as long as that last one from like 2008 um, or people stop following up on it. And one day it just kind of is like the strike is over. We get our wages, but I don't see them fixing that immediately. Uh, The problem with the streaming stuff is no studio has actually, I feel set down to, figure out how to divvy up stuff. The actors all just went through this like five or six years ago, trying to figure out how they get their royalties for all the streaming. They didn't go on strike. They just started threatening studios to not 
do projects and they got their way. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like <laughs> actors have it easier than people behind the scenes. Yeah. They're like less people follow those yeah. and they obviously don't get paid as much in general. You're not going to have a Tom Cruise writer, you know? <laughs> right. So it'll be interesting. I'm bummed to see it happen again. Mm -hmm. um, but at least it's something different in the news. <laughs> it's true. I, I hope that it brings out new ideas. Oh, one of the interesting things about it, I, I didn't mean to talk about this long, but one interesting thing I did want to bring up, I noticed um, that there's concern among writers as well that they can be replaced by AI now, I artificial intelligence. I AI shit, dude. I, like I hate it too, but I do think, I think that they could be good to because the only the main reason that I think writers could be replaced by AI is because they're doing such basic, simple, cookie cutter, boring stuff yeah. that yeah, a, a machine could turn out this shit. But if you make real, sincere human stories, uh, that can't be replaced, or at least not for a very long time. So see, maybe I, they'll turn out better stuff, and it'll create. I don't hold ideas. the writers so responsible for turning in the same cookie cutter shit. I blame the studios, thinking that that's all that people want to watch. True, and maybe it's audiences' fault for watching it. <laughs> and I think it's audiences' faults too. Uh, I hate the AI stuff. Every time I see something AI, like mm -hmm. it infuriates me <laughs> to just absolutely every level possible i just i fucking hate this ai obsession that people have all of a sudden they the people praise it i'm like mm -hmm. cool so we should just kill ourselves right now right like yeah it's like, like nobody has ever watched a sci-fi movie you well, have no idea what that means that and i also think just like you really genuinely want to be this lazy mm -hmm. like you seriously don't want to put any work into something. You just want the AI to take care of it. Go yeah. fuck yourself. I'll type in a couple prompts. It'll do it all for yeah. me. You know what? Go ahead and at me about it. If you love AI, I'm not going to listen to you. I just think it's the absolute <laughs> worst idea. I think it's horrible. I think the people that are like proud of doing this AI bullshit, like they all need to go somewhere else. They need to... <laughs> I fucking hate it. It enrages yeah. me. I'm so tired of AI bullshit. And yeah, yeah. watch a goddamn movie. They tell you straight up, <laughs> knock the shit off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's only going to get worse and worse from here. Oh. All right. Well, <sighs> I'm glad that we went down that rabbit hole. Let's get into today. Today is a lovely, <laughs> lovely episode. Yes. So we are releasing this on Mother's Day. Hi, Mom. And <laughs> hi, Mom. I'm on TV. Uh, I We're going to do our top 10 movie moms, just like last year we did our top 10 movie dads when I became a dad. Uh, neither of us are moms at this point yet. We'll see what happens oh in the future. God. You can become them. Let's not, let's not nope. go there. Nope. Um, but I did realize a couple of days ago we said, hey, let's do our top 10 moms for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. But we never really talked at all about what that means to us. So this could be the characters that are best at being moms. It could be the most interesting characters who just happen to be moms. Could be MILFs. I don't really know where this is going to go. I mean, because we didn't I think talk my list it. is pretty predictable. Okay. Um, your list, I think, could be... 
everything you just said. I don't have any milfs. I'm just going to throw okay. it out. Okay. <laughs> um, I will say full disclosure: the majority of my list is all very heartfelt, very endearing mother characters. Okay. I'm. I do have one that is <laughs> has all the right intentions, but is just the worst. okay um and then i also have one that is endearing but not quite Mm. so affectionate like the other moms on my list but she is she is a mother Um, okay yeah i would say my list gets more idealistically motherly towards the end. Okay. Uh, last half, the top five. The bottom five are kind of dodgy in the <laughs> sense that they're either uh, barely mothers or questionably good mothers okay. or <laughs> mothers who generally figure it out in the end but kind of fuck it up for a long time. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, I guess. Okay. But I like them all for different reasons. <laughs> Well, let's let's do this. Um, I am curious because yeah, we didn't specify the kind of like mom figures we were kind of bringing down, but I I kind of like that we didn't. Mm-hmm. I realized pretty about halfway through mine, I was like, oh yeah, mine is very like heartfelt and to the point where I was like, I kind of had to rethink a couple of them. Like, all right. <laughs> how many moms do I need on my list that are going to make people cry? And then I was like, no, mm-hmm. you need them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a couple of those. Yeah. All right. all right. Well, let's do this. I'm pretty sure I went first for our femme fatales. I'm uh, pretty sure you're correct as well. Okay. So you go first this time. I think I can do By that. the way, this is the third female centric episode in the last four episodes so maybe we should i mean women are great i love them <laughs> it's but... like jesus christ here we go he's digging the <laughs> hole just, right I'm out just the gate. <laughs> i love them i they're magical creatures as well, far as i'm concerned our but... next episode our next couple episodes have nothing to do with female centric characters yeah. we're gonna have to stop praising them at some point and just move on so <laughs> this Enjoy while it lasts, mothers. This is the last one. <laughs> Movie boners is like the Titanic. We were doing okay, and now we're sinking. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jake. Big mouth Thanks, Jake, the, uh, for iceberg. running us into that iceberg. <laughs> Bastard. Anyway, on that note, who's your 10th favorite Let's mother? Let's do this. Top 10 mom figures. Um, well, my number 10 is the mom that I hinted at earlier just a second ago where she has the best intentions of don't fuck with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, But she goes about protecting or standing up for her family in the worst possible way. She's also one of the most entertaining and hilarious characters that I've (laughs) just enjoyed watching since I was young and not supposed to have seen this movie, but I watched it anyways. I was the kind of kid I was. Um, So my number 10 is a mother by the name of Beverly Sutphin. Most people our age group would know her as the serial mom. So 
I have no idea what you're You've never about. seen Serial Mom? This is a movie named Serial Mom? Yes. It is a mom who happens to be a serial killer. And she oh, kills people that wrong her family. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But she is uh, like hardcore wannabe, the, the leave it to beaver style mom where she wants yeah. the household to be perfect. She always is dressed in that like kind of dress, you know, the real cliche 50s mom dress and haircut. She wears that the whole time, but she has like very strict rules in the house. There's no gum allowed in the house. Every rule has to be followed to a T. But when her family's not looking, she, you know, she goes from like prank calling a neighbor just to drive her crazy, excuse me, to running people over, stabbing them, uh, setting them <laughs> on fire. And she like, it's a super dark comedy. Uh, where okay. the opening scroll actually tells you it's based on a true story. It's not. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> That's part of okay. the joke. The whole movie, because like the town applauds serial mom and she like has to go to trial and everything at one point. Uh, don't worry, that's not a spoiler. You see it in the trailers. Uh, okay. It is one of the darkest comedies, and it's from John Waters. And it, it's just, it's one yeah. of my personal favorites of his. The and guy that did uh, Hairspray and Crybaby. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it. Uh, Kathleen Turner plays Serial Mom, or Beverly. And it's she is just hilarious in this movie. It's so funny. Okay. You can tell every scene she's in, and she's in like almost every scene. She was having the time of her life playing this character. <laughs> and she has said in interviews, it's one of her favorite roles she ever did. But she's just so funny to watch. And the fact that she just like, at any point when someone threatens her, or I say threatens, wrongs her family. And that goes to the point of just being like a teacher giving her son a bad grade. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like such a fun movie it's fucking hilarious i love that movie and i love that character so my number 10 is beverly sutton okay i like where this is going i have literally never even heard of this movie i am so sad you haven't and i hope you watch it jake because it is fantastic I'm gonna get it right after this it sounds yeah it sounds like up my alley i love those kinds of movies uh, my number 10 is a much more well-known film that I'm sure that uh, will not surprise anybody. Although this is the one that I think is the newest possible mom, the one that may or may not barely count as a mom. Uh, mine is Marge Gunderson in Fargo. <laughs> because she is... I mean, she's pregnant. <laughs> she's pregnant and I'm not taking any stances i'm just saying that as a i feel like the pregnancy in of her character in that film is not just like a funny quirk that it often is in film where it's like either either a pregnant woman is like a ticking time bomb that's gonna give birth during the climax of the movie or or she's just like i don't know she's generally treated in a very specific stereotypical kind of way mm -hmm. and i feel like fargo doesn't do that fargo is much more She's just a normal lady who is, as pregnant women do, making it work. Like she, it doesn't slow her down. It doesn't make her any worse as her at her job. And it's a really great 
contrast to the very obviously she's in a she's a detective a, a cop that who's trying to solve this homicide that happens and it's a police are generally a very male centric mm -hmm. uh, profession and i would say that these guy deciding to have his wife kidnapped and then all these people getting murdered is pretty kind of a masculine situation so for her to be very maternal in that just rolling in a very competent at her job very smart and easy to like she knows what she's doing uh it's just such a fun contrast where she's so nice she's from minnesota she's just oh, the nicest you know? lady <laughs> but and she's pregnant and so it's very like disarming and you, yeah. you don't really expect a lot from her but she's just razor sharp and extremely good at her job uh so yeah so you may say she's not yet a mother because she hasn't given birth yet i think that if you've ever known a pregnant woman you they start changing everything about their lives <laughs> as as soon as they try to have baby or as soon as they are pregnant with the baby they, they go into like mother mode and so oh, i yeah. think that she's definitely uh definitely a mother at that point so yeah and she's she's just a fantastic character and i think it's one of the most like realistic representations of mm -hmm. of uh of a, a pregnant woman and i think it adds more to her character it's not just like her being pregnant adds so much more to a character than just like a woman cop or a any anybody else i think it's pivotal to that character and so i love it so much yeah yeah francis mcdormand does a really good job when she's under the script writing and direction of her husband uh <laughs> but when she yeah. ventures on her own not a fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear you <laughs> looking at you i can't think of land. god that yeah i can't stuff. think of anything in the last <laughs> 10 15 years of hers that i like right yeah it's funny you bring fargo up because when i was trying to pull all the movies of these moms that like which first off did you this might sound bad did you have a hard time remembering mom characters yeah in movies i did i was like this will be easy there's so many moms in movies and then, yeah, I had kind of a hard time forming the ones that stand out or the ones that are really central to the character. There's a lot yeah. of like background moms. Um, yeah, I certainly did. Which, which I felt bad. But then after I had like my list pretty much like, okay, I feel good. All of a sudden I started thinking like, oh shit, there's mm -hmm. that mom. Oh shit. How did I not think of her? How did I, I had several of those and I had to do like, yeah. A big old just redo, essentially. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there are so much. It's just there's it's a, hard to identify each individual one in your mind. Yeah. Well, it, it was almost because like, and, and I realized this when we did our dad episode and the mom episode. Parental figures are rarely a central character. They are always side characters mm -hmm. that are only in the movie a very short amount of time mm -hmm. and i was like with the dads and then especially with the mom episode i was just, it threw me off i was like yeah because <laughs> i've known all these characters and i know there's probably a hundred that we both missed mm -hmm. and i feel bad because i know there's probably a bunch of them that i'm like fuck she should have been mm -hmm. on my list but that's would you say that we uh took them for granted as you often do with moms i kind of feel like i did yeah it happens. i kind of feel like i did 
We're sorry, moms. Sorry, mom. Love you. <laughs> All right. Number nine. Number nine. All right. So my number nine is the first mom of, I have a theme on my list and it is mm. mothers going to great lengths to protect their children. So the very, uh, just there, there is no second thought on it. They just, they know what they have to do to survive, to keep their kids safe and alive. And these moms, pretty much all of the moms on my list are this way. And I was like, okay. I wonder what that says about me. It's probably because my mom has that very, like, she always wants just the absolute best. Like, the children come first. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. And I, Apparently, it rubbed off on me with what I look for in a mom character in a movie. Yeah, it's not a bad trait to have. Right. So my number Unless nine. Unless you're a serial killer like the last movie. <laughs> She's really the only, like, funny one that's on my list they just get more serious as it goes down okay. <laughs> uh my number nine um first off i love this movie i remember watching it when i was fairly young and i've always been a fan of jodie foster but this movie although not widely enjoyed by the majority of audiences i really mm -hmm. like this movie and I think she plays this mom who's like recently divorced. Her husband just left her for a younger woman. She's left with her child. Who's like a 12 year old. They move into this new house, which is already uncomfortable because she's forced out of her home. And the night they move in, their home is getting robbed. So my number nine is Meg Altman from the movie panic room. Mm -hmm. I love her in this movie because of how intense she is throughout the hour and a half. And most of it is spent in a room, but she also has to keep her daughter who happens to have like severe allergy. Like she's uh, asthmatic. asthmatic. And so she's trying to keep her daughter calm. So she doesn't have an attack. They're trapped in this panic room. They've got three armed guys robbing the house. And it's just, it's a great movie. It's a great David Fincher movie. I, I think it's a underrated movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Panic Room. I really do. The reason I'm giggling over here. Tell me she's on your list. She's not only is she on my list, literally at number nine. Yes. I have Jodie Foster as Meg Altman in Panic Room. Yes. I wrote down underrated David Fincher thriller. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> word for word everything you're saying is what i said for this, this movie it's amazing dude this is like what three episodes in a row that we've had like maybe not in a row because we just did seven samurai but we have had yeah. crossovers several times this is amazing oh my god i'm so happy no that's all true um and i've gonna just jump in because oh, I yeah, have the same thoughts. Uh, I think that she's such a good mom. Her daughter, because they're recently divorced, Kristen Stewart, her daughter, uh, is kind of distant, emotionally distant and and uh, kind of rebellious against that, argumentative with her mom. But I think because they go through this stressful home invasion together, they're able to kind of rebond that uh, maternal relationship and reset it. Uh, 
And so, yeah, I think she's a great mom because she's thrown in this extraordinary situation. She has no idea what to do <laughs> when these dudes break into her house in the middle of the night. And uh, she just has to figure it out and protect herself yeah. and her daughter. And she does a good job overall. She does a fantastic job. It's very admirable. Uh, I still think one of the most intense scenes is because it's the night that they moved in, they are, uh, they're not packed. Like the house is not still packed. Yeah. Yeah. And her cell phone is in the bedroom where the panic room is, but she's trapped in the panic room. She can't get to her cell phone and the three house home invaders are on the stairwell just outside the door. And Mm -hmm. the whole way that I won't, I mean, the scene is just awesome. How the sound drops down. It, she's trying to get to her phone. It's so good. But I love, like, that's yeah. one of those great things where she knows what she has to do. And she just does it for the mm-hmm. sake of, like, how do I get my kid out of this situation? Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Oh, I'm picturing the scene you're talking about. And Fincher does such a good job of camera movements. Yeah. Even in impossible camera movements also mm-hmm. just like there's like a one shot where it goes all the way down and then through the kitchen and like through a coffee pot and through a keyhole and stuff. Um, but you get the lay of the land, you know, where the bad guys are, you know, where they are, you know, how close they are. That sets up the tension so well in that movie. I love it. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that. She's our shared number nine. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And verbatim. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell that she like she doubts herself and her abilities. Oh yeah. And you she wants the her like ex husband to save them. Uh, she's not really I think used to being on her own yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't and and doesn't. And she, I, I love how she just kind of rises to the occasion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's amazing. So good. So. Good. <laughs> Well, in that case, I guess, what's your number eight? <laughs> I, I guess we're moving on to eight. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. My number eight, I have a feeling, is on your list as well. Um, okay. Or at least a an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, but my number eight is perhaps the most badass mom on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also the least affectionate. So she doesn't like (laughs) dote on her son or cry over him a whole lot, but she is Mm -hmm. protecting her son. And like the most extreme way I think a parent could, especially a mom where she was literally going to war with Mm -hmm. the future. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So my number eight is Sarah Connor Mm -hmm. from T2. Um, Naturally. She is definitely on my list. Not at eight. Not at but eight, but pretty, she's on the list. Close. That is yeah. awesome. She is just, I won't say too much because if she's on your list too, we'll get more mm-hmm. out of her. But what a badass. And like, <laughs> she is. Did you, did you want to put her higher just because she is such a iconic mom? Yes. My initial reaction yeah. was to have her very high. But mm-hmm. the the other moms that I ranked higher than her, they hit on a very deep emotional scale, so they kind of edged her out. But her being at number eight does not take away anything from her. Like Sarah Connor mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, I think I originally had her at like number four. So, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, she's just she goes to war with the fucking future. How much? <laughs> yeah, she's got a lot on her plate. I mean, I think that I'm I was the same way. I had her up very high, and then I started comparing her to the other moms. I was like, honestly, these other characters are better moms and i have to put them higher she's still Um, like when she has to be a mom she's a great mom yeah but she kind of has to go through an extreme situation to get to that point to be able to just be a mom yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah i i have her actually very close to number eight so we're kind of on the same page again (laughs) oh my god but at number eight I have uh, someone that, okay, full disclosure, I had another character at number eight, and I really wanted to have them there. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, and also my wife's influence did a little bit. She was like, "You, she's really not a good mom. And I was like, well, but I like her. And then she was like, well, but no. And so we had a debate internally in our house about my list, and I ended up losing that debate. She convinced me that I should okay. drop that character. So I replaced her with another kind of similar character. So same level of uh, motherness, I felt like. Okay. So at number eight, I chose kind of the most dodgy on the good mom scale, I feel like. But also, she makes up for it in the overall character and the overall stakes of her um, character and her motherhood. So at number eight, I have Annie Graham from Hereditary, played by Tony Collette. <laughs> she is not the best mom, I understand. <laughs> she's but kind of a terrible mom. She's a terrible mom, but there's a big but. She, A, is grieving from her mom. That's like a small piece. The okay. major piece is that the movie is literally about passing things on to your children, hereditary. And so she is trying to be a mom to her kids to the best of her abilities, while also dealing with the trauma and shit that she has stored up from being a kid that her mom has passed on to her. And some of it is emotional. Some of it is relational. Some of it is demonic and pagan and all this other stuff Uh, yeah it's overall pretty uh bad to pass these things down (laughs) to your children and have them be the firstborn sacrifice to this uh weird dark deity but the point is i feel like she tries pretty sincerely and she goes through losing her mom who she had a complicated relationship with but ultimately did love and then Spoiler alert for Hereditary, if you've never seen a movie from 2018. Uh, her goes through the worst possible thing she or her as a mother or her whole family could experience losing a child. Mm-hmm. That whole business, I feel like, gives her a lot of leeway for being a little bit crazy or not as, not as idealistic as other moms would be. Because it's hard being a mom, you know, and you you don't always do the best or make the best decisions, but I do think that she tries. And so as a mom in the worst possible situation where you have a literal secret cult of people trying to capture or 
I don't even know. Use recruit your, your child and children as sacrifices yeah. and uh trying to steal your child and use them as a vessel a to vessels yeah fill them up with a demonic creature uh <laughs> that is basically the premise of hereditary <laughs> in that situation how good of a mom can I'm you be curious i'm curious so you say you lost the debate to christy Yes. And you replace the character that Christy convinced you is like, <laughs> nah, she should not be on my list. And then Christy uh-huh. was on board with with Hereditary. Yes. So who was this other character? The mom from Hereditary. I was convinced and I ultimately decided, because it is my list, uh, I ultimately decided that, yes, my wife is right. The mom from Hereditary is overall a better mom than Kate McAllister, the mom from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. I wanted, she has a point. I, want, I wanted to have her because I do feel like she overall redeems herself. She fucks up. She, but, and she overall, she fucks up a couple times. She fucks up when she, like, is kind of mean to her kid and not understanding. And he's getting bullied by all the family members and she's not very understanding of him. That they have this big fight. And that's the last thing that they say before she yeah. forgets about him and leaves him <laughs> she home alone. Forgets her son. <laughs> well, she flies to France. That's pretty bad. I completely agree. That's pretty bad. But I felt like she she once she realizes she drops everything, she leaves everybody, she does everything in her power to get home as quickly as possible. She goes through discomfort. She goes through everything. She beats herself up. She ultimately gets home. She apologizes to him. I felt that that kind of redeemed him. And then Christy made a very good point, which was, yeah, I would understand that if, you know, you went on to like actually show that you were a good mother at any point, but didn't they make Home Alone 2 where she loses him again? And I was like, (laughs) fuck, fuck, she does do that. She loses him again. She does it twice in a row. um, At that point, I have realized I couldn't really. Yeah. Have yeah. See, you say she doesn't uh, quite understand her son at the beginning of the first one. I actually would not put her on the list because to me, it's not that she doesn't understand Kevin or his mm-hmm. side. But Kevin's mom and dad kind of allow the family to bully Kevin, including yeah. his uncle. And I keep thinking in my head, man, if my family talked to my daughter the way that his family talks to him, I would have been like, so you can get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. Now, it's funny when I told a few people, like, this was the episode we were going to record. Unanimously, people said, oh, so you're not going to have Mrs. McAllister because she's a terrible (laughs) mom. I went, no, not Mrs. McAllister. (laughs) Well, officially, I did not have her on my list, so... Yeah, that's probably good. Like, entertaining character, yes, but she's a Mm. bad mom. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think that she apologizes. Everybody, every mom has made a huge mistake. 100%. A lot of people have forgotten their kids' places. It happens. Generally, you don't fly all the way to France before you remember, but it happens. I do feel like the dad is way worse. Oh, the dad the is. That's why I said the parents. Like, <laughs> yeah, both McAllister's like, parents. I'll just stay in France. He's fine at home. <laughs> <laughs> we paid all this money. Fuck the kid. And mm-hmm. he also like who runs through an airport 
and leaves their child behind. Like, yeah. You throw the kid on your shoulder. He weighs what? <laughs> 60 pounds tops. You can, right. you can carry him. Yeah. I get, there's a lot of people in your group, but there's not a lot of people in your immediate family. But it's I've, you, your wife and Kevin and buzz. Yeah. And, and I've been in very crowded areas with my daughter airport included. Um, mm -hmm. As a parent, you hold on to your fucking kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you run into so many people because your eyes are on your child the whole time. Yeah. You shouldn't really delegate to an older daughter to count your yeah. heads and assume that he's going to be there. You don't want to put that much trust in a teenager. But moving on. <laughs> moving on. Number seven. Hereditary. That's so funny to me. It's the Just, weirdest one on my list. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, I feel like all this laughter and lighthearted conversation is about to come oh, no. to a crashing end because my number seven is not funny at all. There's nothing funny about the movie, the situation, nothing. In fact, it's super heartbreaking. In fact, this is one I of those I immediately movies. know what movie you're talking about. What? I immediately know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> this is one of those movies where, uh, like, my brother has told me he will never watch this movie again because it's just too traumatizing. Uh, it's yep. a bit too much. And although I'm not a big fan of the lead actress, I think she is absolutely amazing in this movie. Is um, Angelina Jolie? No. <laughs> no, Damn. it is not. <laughs> uh, Everything you said sounded like Changeling to me. No, it was not Changeling. That movie is heartbreaking, though. Yeah. Um, no, my number seven is Ma from the movie Room. Uh, Brie yeah. Larson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some people I think might argue like, why would you have her on your list? Like, horrible situation, and mm -hmm. then the last half, like she's very distant from her son and all that. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. When you have been kidnapped and held captive in a tiny storage unit in a backyard with mm -hmm. a five-year-old son, but you have been held captive for seven years. Right. A son that you have been raped to have and had him there. Yes. It's um, pretty dark. And the only hope you have is just making sure you can keep the situation as understanding or as lighthearted as possible for your child. I think what she decides and ultimately has to do to keep her child's like his mentality intact. Mm -hmm. She sacrifices so much for that, for his innocence. That is crazy motherly to me. Um, yeah. To give him even the remote semblance of a childhood yeah. in that room is uh, powerful. It's thing. powerful. And as the movie progresses, I don't want to say too much, although the cover of the Blu-ray gives away like everything, which kind of bums me out, by the way. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. why would you give that away? But um, even after the events have like transpired and she is distant and she does react to her trauma in such severe ways through all of it. I think the love her son has for her and the fact that she still comes back to him. She, he, she goes to get, you know, herself help. 
just so that mm-hmm. her son, she can still maintain a relationship with her son and also maintain his innocence so that he doesn't worry about, you know, what's, what's going on with mom. She wants yeah. him to prosper. I just think the movie is incredible. The book was amazing. Um, and Brie Larson, it's her best work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, agreed for sure. And yeah, I just, I could not, not have her on my list. This mm-hmm. character is just so honest and just all the, how she deals with trauma. And I found that very endearing that she doesn't mm-hmm. like hide away from it. She just lets the, she she really pours out her uh, healing process and it, it's hard to watch, but I think mm-hmm. the honesty and the, the sincerity of it is so important. That's why she had to be on my list. Yeah. It's a complicated thing to need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your kid. Yeah. That's uh, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's also important. If you want them to have the best life possible, you need to, get all of your stuff in order and like right. organized in order. And, to, and I think uh, that's that kind of a misconception from a lot of the outside perspectives um, where like, you don't want a parent to be selfish because they, they have to take care of something, but it's kind of factual that you are not as effective as you need to be or want to be until you correct or at least work on stuff in your own in your own life so she's just such an awesome character to me uh heartbreaking but awesome yeah. character she kind of yeah, i i it, it reminded me of your uh oh man i forget the name of his character but the dad from life is beautiful i know he was on your, right. your dad's list this was kind of my uh version of that yeah no i totally agree um okay so at number seven very close to your number eight i have sarah connor from terminator 2 oh, Judgment wow, she Day. was very close so close <laughs> uh if, like so close i was like do i swap it to have double <laughs> matching ones but i didn't kept it honest yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah the only reason like i said that she's not higher is because she gets a little crazy and overwhelmed <laughs> with by the whole ai apocalypse thing Mm -hmm. that is the premise of the movie i feel like she loses sight of the fact that she is supposed to be raising this child and yeah he's a child who's going to grow up to save humanity but he still has to be a kid first still and he has no concept of the gravity of the situation that is freaking her out he can't possibly be aware of it so all he knows is my mom is a little crazy and then my mom is sent to a psychiatric hospital and she's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, so I feel like that's a big significant failure on her part and yeah. for her to not be there for him, to help him through that. Um, and so that's why she's a little, little bit lower, but fortunately they are reconnected through the movie and he gets to see firsthand uh, the account of why she is the way that she is and why she believes about this future apocalypse so completely. (laughs) Um, So I think that helps them reconcile with her, him reconcile with her and start to appreciate the the lengths that she'll go to protect him. Um, 
like every mom would, but it's an extra level when saving him means saving the whole world uh, <laughs> at the same time. So I think that she gets it together uh, through T2. And uh, she's certainly iconic, one of the most iconic moms. But I think she has to has to stop worrying so much about the future that's impending and yeah. and the fate that they have. I think the scene that really like clicks in her, and to me, it's like her redeeming scene because it's kind mm -hmm. of ironic. Uh, is when she goes to the house of the scientist to to kill him. And his yeah. daughter like runs out to save, you know, save her dad. And mm -hmm. as Sarah's shooting up the play, the whole house, she's like, she has to stop and kind of has that like, oh my God, children. And you kind of like, that's where she like, mm -hmm. I think is kind of slapped with a little bit of other reality of like, yeah, you have a son, like a child. Right. So you're fighting the future so hard that you forget about the present where people yeah. are, they don't know what's going to happen. They're just living their lives. They have kids. They're all the same. And although she's, she does not really get affectionate with John throughout the movie for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. But you can see her maternal skills or like just that I have to protect my son really kicking in, especially with the final showdown. Mm -hmm. Um, around the molten metal. So she's, she's a badass too. I mean, it's Sarah Connor. Yeah. She's like, right. She's this human she's... that takes on futuristic robots who are hell bent on murdering mankind. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're literally assassin robots developed for that purpose alone. She's such a badass. Um, my number six is a mom from a movie. I have mentioned a handful of times, uh, I don't think many people have watched it yet, and that's a crime. More people need to go and watch this movie. But the mom is so endearing on this um, for the fact that she goes through such emotional hardship to make sure her son has a childhood, or at least some kind of childhood that he can still have. Uh, so my mom is Linda. She's the mom from the movie The Cure which I have talked okay, about yeah. a couple times. Um, yeah. You haven't heard me talk about it. Where the hell have you been? Uh, it was on your jerk episode, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, so The Cure is about a young boy who has AIDS, and he is befriended by kind of a neglected uh, neighbor kid who is also a bit of a bully, but they become friends. And the whole movie is these two kids trying to find the cure for AIDS. But the mom, Linda, is such a powerful character. She's not in the movie very much, but the scenes that she is in are some of the most memorable because of what she, the environment she creates for her son or ensures is around her son that he has a childhood despite mm -hmm. his ailment. And I just think that it's such a well motherly thing to do. Um, <laughs> And she really works hard to not show the emotional turmoil that she is going through as a mom, knowing that her son will not have a full life. You know, mm -hmm. you just never know when the last day is going to be. Um, as a parent, I don't think I personally can't like even fathom that thought process, but there's no. millions of parents that have to. 
And I yeah. think this character does such a great job of embodying all those parents. And she's she shows her vulnerabilities around her son sometimes. And he has a scene. There's a scene at a dinner table where it's him and his friend and the mom has to leave because she's crying. And her son is just like, she has bad days sometimes. And like, it's such a simple line, but every time I see that scene, it's just one of those where you're like, Oh, there go the feels. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I just, she's a spectacular mom in this movie. And the way that she kind of becomes a, a surrogate mom for, the neighbor kid who has become a, a friend of her son's and she defends him. She like lets the maternal instincts kick in for him. And it's just, it's so incredible. People please watch this movie. Go find it. It's hard to find, but if you find it, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Those kind of scenes that you mentioned, like around the dinner table where I, those things connect with me. Cause I think that I think everybody, when you're a kid, you think of a mom as like this, superhero person that can do everything is untouchable takes care of everything just kind of coordinates and handles everything just without complaining but it's easy to forget then that moms are normal people too who have are going through shit and trying to figure stuff out and having hard times and and dealing with extraordinarily tragic and uh and situations where you it's just emotionally draining overall. Yeah. That's a very hard thing to deal with. So to to break every once in a while is is humanizing more than it's a flaw in any way. Yeah, she's just she's such a wonderful character to watch. Just how she goes through the whole film. She could not. I, I had to have her. I was like, <laughs> I did not want to yeah. watch the movie again. It's <laughs> <laughs> so so close to the last time we had watched it, but it was like, yeah. Things I do for our show. All right. <laughs> Got to get it done. I appreciate you. Uh, so my number six is possible. I'll just say my number six is Dr. Louise Banks from Arrival. I will say this is the most spoilery like, character on my crazy list. Crazy spoilery. <laughs> oh so if you, haven't, if you haven't seen Arrival, first, what are you doing with your life? It's incredible. Uh, go watch it. But before that, skip ahead a couple of minutes because I'm going to get into spoilers for Arrival from yeah. 2016. Yeah. <laughs> the way that it uses motherhood stereotypes and especially audience's assumptions about them in that character uh, is is brilliant to me. So here's the spoilers around Arrival. The opening of the movie is Amy Adams' character at the bedside of her dying teenage daughter. Then we jump to her teaching language classes at some school, and you presume, as the audience, that she is still haunted by that past trauma. That's the assumption that the movie tricks you into making because the movie is brilliantly done. The reveal is that she hasn't had a baby yet. Her child will die in the future. Mm -hmm. And she learns through the course of the movie and also sees, she sees that tragedy. She sees how much it hurts and breaks her, but she also sees all the wonderful times, all of the experiences she has with her daughter and all of the things that like all of those things in the future kind of help inform her present. Uh, It's a very complicated and interesting movie. 
knowing all those things, knowing that her daughter will die at a young age, she still chooses to become a mother because of the the meaning that it has, the yeah. fulfillment that it brings and all that stuff. She chooses to go into that knowing that's going to end tragically uh, just to have the time in between. And I think that's really beautiful and powerful. Um, it's uh, My wife has said recently that if she had to give birth every single year on our child's birthday, like go through the whole birth process, labor, contractions, all of the pain, all of the, everything. If she had to do that every single year for the rest of his life, she would do it because it is so fulfilling and so incredible being his mom. And so that's kind of what I relate to oh, yeah. her in arrival that even though you only have a short time, you have 13, 14, 15 years with this person, that's more than enough because it's so incredible. <laughs> the whole process is so incredible that you're willing to go through that. Um, so I think that's beautiful. And I think mm -hmm. that it's, she's really cool for that. I also think that I'm not going to get into the whole like time thing about arrival <laughs> because it's very complicated. We don't have a lot of time to go into it. Um, but the way that the movie does it, I think kind of visually depicts a, another thing, which is a mothers have this weird intuition about them that they kind of know things that are going to happen or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of this incredible mother's intuition thing that happens. I think that arrival is kind of that where she, she can see time in a different way. So she knows things from the future that, and, and that she can use that to inform her present and past and stuff. Uh, so I think that's kind of a cool mother nod in a way, kind of. I like it. Oh, that movie's so fucking good. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that's one of those movies. I don't care how many times I've watched it. Every time I watch it, when the ending comes up, I just sit in awe. Every time. Yeah. You, you just, like, you can't help it. You just sit there just, damn. Yeah. It had been a minute since I'd seen it. I was like, I, f I know it's a good movie, but the more I, as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a great movie. Like, <laughs> I have for, kind of forgot how good this movie is. It's, I still say it's one of the most intelligent movies I have ever seen. Just mm -hmm. period. It's, it's up there. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's brilliant. And she is fantastic. But I mean, it's Amy Adams. I love Amy Adams. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's really good. Yeah. Her, when you get like, the snippets and stuff of, of motherhood in that movie. Um, I, I imagine that that character, her character is exactly the kind of mom you would expect. Not necessarily that character, but Amy Adams as a, as a person yeah. to be yeah. like, you, you get those smiles and the chasing your child around and stuff. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that, that motherhood intuition and the, the sacrifice and the, I guess just the, the willingness to go through extreme situations or tragic mm -hmm. situations, knowing that at least there's fulfillment at some point in there. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I like your pick. Thank you. I'm glad you have that one. Rated higher than your uh, hereditary pick. 
I feel like I <laughs> in the top five they are all very wholesome. <laughs> I feel like so I'm gonna was, troll you on that one for a little while. But <laughs> that was six. That one's kind of a little bit more out there. The rest of them are perfectly ex- what you would expect from a top ten mom episode. All right. My number five is also a mom from one of my top 10 uh, movies that make me cry. Um, My number five is Sylvia Davies from Finding Neverland. Okay. Yeah. She's another mom uh, where she just, her family, you know, her children are at the forefront of everything. And she makes sure her children understand childhood which is mm-hmm. my favorite thing that she focuses on you know she's still a mom the kids still have their chores she's still on them to get their shit done and taken care of but at the end of the day she is so determined that her children know what having a childhood is and the importance of playing and yeah. just having fun um despite what's going on around them. I just, I think that's so important and I Mm -hmm. think it's something that's kind of been lost these days. Um, Kids need to be kids. Um, It's just, that's it. This period kids need to be kids and us as adults need to let children be children. And, uh, and play is not frivolous nonsense. It's very important important. for their development. It's, so important to like the building blocks of being a you know a person of uh just being able to survive in the world you develop your social skills you develop everything confidence in yourself speech yada yada it's just everything about just playing has such a huge impact and her character understands that to a whole despite you know going through an illness and stuff or having a, a mom and her mom who comes across as a total, you know, overbearing mother for the majority of the film, but mm-hmm. you get it because it's yeah. a mom who's so desperate to keep her, her child around. And it's just the movie as a whole is beautiful, but Sylvia <laughs> Davies, I just, I resonate and connect with that principle of my children will be children and as yeah. it's awesome <laughs> i completely agree i think that her her protection of that is kind of rare like you were saying and very important and i think it's obviously inspiring because it inspired <laughs> right. him to make kind of the peter, peter pan, pan story <laughs> yeah so that's obviously very child-centric and staying a child forever uh i, I think there's huge overlap there Oh, yeah. All right. My number five is uh, the great, our favorite, Sandra Bullock as Leanne, I forget her name, Tui uh, in the, bl- yeah. the Blind Side. Yeah. She is just, obviously, everybody praises her for this role. It's great. As you uh, should. And you get everybody, you get the idea that Leanne is just the kind of woman who is a, would be a mom to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, and she is very quick to do the right thing and adopt, uh, adopt a kid who obviously needs a lot of help needs, uh, may not be alive without her help. And so 
her willingness to just put it all out there and and kind of just take in Michael Orr to like help him out, get him off the street and just accept him completely in the family. Well, not being like, she's loving and kind and everything, but she also like kind of gets everybody in line. Like she's like, hey kids, this is your brother now. And <laughs> hey, husband, this is what we're doing. We're adopting this kid. And so she's kind of the boss of the family, which I like. Uh, and she just completely uh, makes him feel safe, makes Michael feel safe, which I think is something that she realizes or sees in him that he needs. He's never had that mom to take care of him. He's always just kind of bounced around and need, and that's a void in his life that he's needed. And so she's able to see that this kid who's way bigger than her <laughs> still needs to feel safe uh, not just physically, but emotionally and yeah. mentally and all that stuff. And so she gives him that, makes him feel at home that that you're not going to get kicked out. Like, this is your place. You can just settle in and relax finally <laughs> right. uh, after all this time. Um, and so, and she's able to kind of explain things in a way that he understands them when she explains how football works and all this stuff yeah. and what his job is how she needs to protect this quarterback, uh, how he needs to protect this quarterback. She, he gets it in a way that uh, I think that, it, again, she's able to kind of understand where he's coming from and what resonates with him, what's important to him. Um, and so she's able to tell him what to do. And that leads him to become very successful, to be able to join the NFL and join, uh, become kind of become his own person, grow up mm -hmm. and, and all the stuff a mother's trying to do, help their child grow up and be successful. So she steps in to a place that isn't really her place, but uh, she does it because she knows she needs to and it's the right thing to do. And I think it's very admirable. So Leanne and my number five blind side. Well, I can't, I don't want to add too much because she's on my list, but not yet. Uh, I got <laughs> That's like three or four crossovers now, Jake. Yeah, pretty solid. <laughs> but I agree with everything you said, and uh, I will elaborate on everything <laughs> you said when she pops up later. Okay, more to come. <laughs> it's a great pick, though, Jake. It's a great pick. <laughs> Thank you. All right, my number four. I think if you know me, you know she was coming up. <laughs> I had the dad on my favorite dad's list. If I'm going to have him on my dad's list, there is not a chance in hell I'm not going to have Martha yeah. Kent on my top mom's <laughs> list, especially Diane Lane's Martha Kent from the Snyder Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Superman's mom, folks. Martha Kent is one of just the character from the comics, all the different shows that she's been on. But especially in the Snyderverse, like Martha Kent is so important to mm -hmm. the character of Superman and just what his principles are. Like her and Jonathan Kent's whole backstory of not ever being able to have children. One literally falls into their uh, backyard. <laughs> yeah. But the way that Martha has just taken it upon herself, like the maternal instincts kicked in and she, she raised Clark as a normal child who just happened to have mm -hmm. all of this, you know, all these abilities. My favorite scene 
with her is always in Man of Steel, and it's the flashback scene when Clark is in school freaking out because his powers are just overwhelming and he's hiding in the closet. And she does that whole thing where she starts telling him, she coaches him on how to just, you know, deep breaths, just focus Mm -hmm. on my voice, just learn how to just control it. And just that to me is like one of the most uh, motherly things I think any mom has done will future moms will do every mom does this where they see their child wigging out mm-hmm. they are able to ground their children just yeah. with the sound of their voice martha kent is so good so good <laughs> like she's a, she almost sets the example for moms uh the only reason mm-hmm. she's not higher is because the other ones do what she does, but in different ways, um, they just hit a little mm-hmm. bit different, but Martha Kent is just, especially Diane lanes. Uh, yeah. She has such a, uh, I don't want to say vulnerability, I, but she's, she's so gentle. Yeah. And what she says to Clark, even when he's like already established as Superman, when he's, cause he still comes back to his mom mm-hmm. for guidance when he's like, really struggling with everything going on in the world. And I love that despite everything, despite his abilities, she flat out tells him, you know what? Be their hero or don't. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately Mm -hmm. your life. Like if you need to go, go. And what Mm -hmm. a hard thing for a mom to say, to tell their (laughs) son, like if you have to leave this place, then Mm -hmm. leave this place. Yeah, but it's such a perfect thing for a mom to say because she's ultimately putting him and his interests above the oh, rest of the world. Yeah. Like if the rest of the world is completely disintegrated because the villains win, that's fine. As long as you're happy and you <laughs> find your place in the world, that's all I want for you. Right. And it's just she's like she's such a she's an amazing character and just there's every time I watch that whole the Snyderverse when Martha Kent's on screen, I am like, mm-hmm. I just lock in immediately. She almost reminds me of like my mom at times and all that. It's just, I love Martha Kent. I really do. <laughs> yeah, I do too. The only reason she's not on my list is because I knew she would be on your list. It was when I felt safe leaving off, but I love her as well. And I love the, the teamwork between her and Jonathan yeah. and how they're so aligned in there parenting style i guess where they know they have an extraordinary (laughs) child who with extreme abilities that is from another planet but they're so aligned in their intention to teach him right from wrong teach him all the best things how to handle any situation so when every situation the most crazy situation comes up he knows what to do. He knows right from wrong. And yeah. he can come back and, and seek advice from them, but he knows to they, uh, trust them. They, they know what they're talking yeah. about. And the Kents really instill a, a sense of like principle and, yeah. uh, and possibly one of the most like strict moral compasses, I mm-hmm. think, in a character. <laughs> yeah, which is a tall thing to do for Superman, the Boy Scout, who <laughs> right. has the strictest moral compass. Uh, it comes from them, and so it's their responsibility. Yeah. So I, she was like, when I said at the start of this, my list will be fairly predictable. 
Superman's because I think everyone that knows me would know like, oh, Superman's mom is definitely showing up on this list. <laughs> yeah, you were right. True. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't let me down. Uh, my number four is the hold on. I think this is a true statement. I need to look back. I know for the top five, it's true. Yeah, my number four is the only stepmom on my list. And so, uh, but she's too perfect. So my number four is Maria Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. I and knew you way- were going to have Sound of Music on your list. I knew it. The way that Julie Andrews plays Maria is so great and wholesome and sweet. And I think that is needed. She's She is exactly what is needed in this family when she comes to them as their... Uh, She's just watching these kids and they, the kids are like, so they've been raised by a pretty harsh father, but it's not entirely his fault because he's had to raise them all on his own, a lot of kids. And so he's kind of defaulted to what he knew best and what he had the highest chance of success in. And that was his military background. And and, and and what's the environment that he's trying to raise his family in? In a, a nice big house with a with a, oh Nazi Germany. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yes, <laughs> he is during wartime in Austria, and the Third Reich is rising, and all of that stuff. But he himself, he doesn't really know how to raise these kids. He's got a bunch of kids, and so he treats them like a unit and raises them with strict rules and whistles and guidelines. And so they obviously are just kind of falling in line because they don't really know any better. So he's, he, he cares about them and wants the best for them, but doesn't really know how to do all of this. So he's doing what he does best and it will more or less work. He's keeping them out of trouble. He's helping them figure, uh, follow the rules and all that stuff, but it's not ideal. And I think when Maria comes in, she is very gentle, very maternal, very loving, very kind to them. And she's like, you can't just treat kids like it's a, like respond to whistles, like it's a, like it's a working in a factory or something. And so she kind of blows everything up. And, but once he kind of lets her do her thing, uh, you see the kids really blossom. They really are able to come out of their shell and and expand and grow and all this stuff. So it's really fun to see them with a mother figure who cares about them and loves them and is gentle and and everything that a mother should be. She kind of compliments uh, the dad, I guess, in that sense. And so when they come together as one big family to run away through the Alps from the Nazis and all stuff and sing and stuff, uh, it is great. But I think that, uh, yeah, she's just such a very positive impact on the children. And uh, and and he sees that as the dad. It's not just, oh, she's great for the kids. But then obviously her becoming a, a wife for him as well is all really fun. So I love that sound of music. I think that Marie Von Trapp is one of the best mothers on film. Yeah, I knew you were going to have that. I, I knew she would show up at some point on your list. I wasn't sure if she'd be this high. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, he'll probably do it. One, because he genuinely loves that movie. And two, it's been a while since he has 
given me some hell for not being the biggest <laughs> fan of that movie. <laughs> and it's like it's true. I it's feel a little set up. <laughs> It's unfortunate that you don't like it. I know that you like other musicals. I just don't know why you don't like this. I just never, I just never really connected to it. I just never. I don't know. I just never thought it was. How do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> it's it's a great story. I'm not going to convince you. If you don't like it, you don't like it. For me. Just her Which, whole nature and her gentleness is just the ideal. So it is pretty teach their own. Fair enough. Hey, I love Julie Andrews, especially when she's Mary Poppins, which is like the greatest family movie of all time. Uh, mm. My personal favorite. Sure. But I couldn't consider Mary Poppins like a motherly figure because yeah. they have a mom. She's not on my list. I was just saying. <laughs> she's not a great mom. She's That's not a partly great why. Mom. She's not a great mom. Um <laughs> But I, I was like, in, in all the prep work that I do, the earliest prep work that I do is I see kind of like, who do, who does like Screen Rant vote? And I usually disagree mm. with the majority of their list. Mm. And she was off one of them. I was like, fucking Jake's going to put her on his list. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and he's going to be like, yeah. I'm sure he'll make a little shot at me, but that's all right. <laughs> What I'll sometimes do that. I'll sometimes do that at the end after I feel like I have a good list, just to make sure I didn't forget anybody that was <laughs> like super obvious. Fair enough. Yeah. Because so that happens sometimes. I'm like, oh shoot, I can't believe I forgot that person. <laughs> but nice pick, Jake. Nice pick. Thank you. I appreciate your respecting it, even though you don't from like being it. Hitler Youth. So I'll that's good. Her. You know what? That's good. <laughs> hey, speaking of Hitler Youth. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming up. Yeah. My number three. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm not even going to give a big, like, intro to her. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Rosie from Jojo Rabbit. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Scarlett Johansson's greatest role. Like, by far. By far. And probably it's definitely her most powerful role it's her most entertaining role mm -hmm. an important role just everything about rosie is so emotionally impactful um just what she is doing while trying to maintain certain i guess illusions or perceptions mm -hmm. but raising a hitler youth in Nazi Germany mm -hmm. while hiding a Jewish girl is just bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the way that she mothers Jojo to me is just like, it's so important how she handles the situation. And mm -hmm. I've wondered if some people would argue like, well, she, you know, she has a scene where she talks about, she doesn't trust Jojo in knowing that um, Elsa is at the house, mm -hmm. but it's because she understands her son has been brainwashed. She does. It's not that she doesn't trust her son as a person. She doesn't trust the brainwashing. She, cause he's so young. He's so little. Right. And uh, I, but what she's willing to go through to ensure and she kind of like subliminally 
like persuades Jojo, which is why I think mm-hmm. he's his reaction to Elsa is not as severe. I think mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with just the little subtleties that his mom does, you know, when they're when they see the bodies hanging in the square and he asks, you know, what they died for, and she tells him, Well, they were doing what they could. Mm-hmm. It's little things like that that she does to him, or when he's so like determined to have his dad back and she does the like where she wipes the the soot on her face and does the whole come dance with your parents. Scene. Mm-hmm. I every scene she is in is just perfect. She is perfect yeah. in this movie. And <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. She's definitely on my list as well. I just, it had been a minute since I watched Jojo. Mm-hmm. And when it ended again, I was just like, few things go through my head. It went through my head. One is like, well, of course she's on my list because holy crap. Mm-hmm. But what an important film Jojo Rabbit, I feel, is. Like, holy shit, more people need to be watching this movie. Just, yeah. just watch it. You'll understand it. I hope you understand it. <laughs> um, but then I also thought, which was nowhere near as like, on the the emotional scale, but more in just general, like why can't take a Watiti make more movies like this? Like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I thought as well, that <laughs> I'm becoming less and less of a Taika Watiti fan over time. Right. But this movie will make you fall in love with it. It's com- it just completely rip your, rips your guts out in a good way. It's, in it's a like great it's a fantastic way. It's movie. So good. But yeah, Rosie, you know, Jojo's mom is just, she's amazing. And I had a feeling that I was going to have her on my list. She was one of the first names that I jotted down. Then I was like, but you know, her screen time isn't, she's not in every scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then I rewatched it and it was like two scenes in, I was just, fuck, she's going to be really high on my list. Like, <laughs> I am so connected to her character. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. Oh, so, Rosie is my number three. Okay. Yeah, I have her for sure. Uh, my number three, though, is similar to you with uh, Martha Kent. You had Jonathan as one of your favorite dads. I had my number three husband as yeah, one of my did. favorite dads as well <laughs> i have to have uh, evelyn abbott from a quiet place part one and two uh, played by emily blunt she's my number three for sure for a, a lot of the great reasons i love lee abbott played by john krasinski at the top of my top 10 dads she is all of the same reasons she's an incredible mother she's a great compliment to the two mm-hmm. uh, a lot like we were talking about for uh man of steel and the snyderverse she is just they're aligned in their parenting of these kids and she is in an extremely unique situation as well where not only is she a mother of these children in a monster alien invasion but she has gone through the worst possible experience ever spoiler if you haven't seen the first five minutes of a quiet place She's had her youngest child killed, snatched in front, right in front of her face, Mm -hmm. while also having her two other children with her. 
and then also being pregnant with their fourth child, uh, that is crazy. So for her to go through this whole, similar to Fargo, like she's a pregnant woman in this situation, just has to make it work. Um, but she has these other kids who she's trying to teach about the world, teach uh, how to survive in case her and her husband don't make it. Uh, she's trying to make a home, trying to make a place that's safe for them, make sure they have food, make sure they have clothes, all this stuff, uh, make sure it's safe and, and all the stuff that you want. Uh, and she does such an incredible job at all of that. On top of being pregnant, on top of giving birth during uh, a monster uh, attack, <laughs> monster attack where they're right down the hall and she can't make any noise whatsoever. It's just superhuman what she's able to do, uh, which I know mothers all the, all around the world have had to do something crazy like yeah. that and succeeded at it. Um, so it's just a, a great example of it. So yeah. Evelyn Abbott, she's just, she's everything you would want uh, in a mother character and the way that she's, she pulls it all together and, and takes the time to listen and understand each of her different children and their needs and make sure they're fulfilled. Uh, she's great. Yeah. I love her. Well, this will be an easy segue because Evelyn Abbott is my number two. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Um, she just blows me away and emily blunt i don't think yeah. gets enough credit for how she plays this character between the first one the especially in the second one um yeah. the situation is impossible and horrible but her determination of protecting her children keeping mm. them alive is just so insane to me of just at no point you know she's trying to grieve she is trying to go through all these incredible emotions but she's she literally can't afford to break down right. it, it just the way that she plays especially in the second one like she's amazing in the first movie but the second one i think is the one where all of her mm -hmm. really comes you know f to shine and mm -hmm. um, she's just, she's so intense and she's so loving despite the situation they are in. And it's just, it, I, it, I was like, I didn't have uh, Krasinski on my dad's list. He was an honorable mention, but I was like, Evelyn is on my mm -hmm. list. And, and rewatching him again, I was just like, especially the second one, I was just blown away. By Emily Blunt, and I, I remember being blown away first few times I watched him. Excuse me, but she's just—I love her tenacity and her understanding of what has to happen. So she's going yeah. to do it, and there is no question. She, there is no hesitation on her part. She knows full well the stakes, mm -hmm. and it's like the impossible stakes that are stacked up against her are only giving her more strength. She is mm -hmm. almost superhuman just in the fact that she's able to hold her family together. It's mm -hmm. unreal. I, <laughs> I was like, she was one of those names that was like farther down the list. And then I rewatched it. It was like, no, 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 no. Evelyn's <laughs> way up there. <laughs> yeah. But 
yet. Emily Blunt deserves way more credit than I think she's been given for this role. Yeah, I completely agree. She's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, okay, my number two then. It should come as no surprise. I talk about this movie all the time. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, has to be Bama, played by Sally Field in Forrest Gump. <laughs> Mama is like... She, she has defined Forrest's per- entire perception of the world. Yep. Everything that he knows, everything he believes, that she's the source of truth. He always tells somebody, well, mama said this, and that has to be true. Um, so everything he experiences is through the lens of what mama has said about it. Uh, and I think that says a lot about her and his trust in her, Forrest's trust in her. Um, especially when it comes to things like his slowness or disabilities or whatever that she has told him, you're no different than anybody else. And so he goes through life believing that he's no different than anybody else, not letting anybody else convince him or talk down to him that he's uh, different than them. And that I think is a big reason for all of his his success. Uh, I do think we need to talk about the, grunting elephant in the room which is yes she does have sex with the principal of the school in order to get her son into normal school and not go to uh, special needs classes and Forrest obviously overhears the entire thing it's very awkward overall (laughs) but as a mom especially a single mom you gotta gotta do whatever you can to make the best life for your kid and that comes with all kinds of sacrifices. So I can't totally judge it. I also think if you think about it, the decision, that's one of the decisions that sparks, uh, that creates Forrest's entire incredible life. Mm -hmm. That if, if he didn't get into normal school with all these other kids, he wouldn't have met Jenny on the bus and they wouldn't be like peas and carrots and be eventually become a dad. That's the main flow of the movie. He wouldn't have gone to the high school and gotten a football scholarship and gone to the army and gone to learn ping pong and all this stuff. So her mom having sex with that principal, it was the best thing that she could have done for her son and uh, pays off in the end, I'm going to say. So I think that that her, her general demeanor and his relationship with her is everything. It speaks volumes, how much he loves her, how much he cares for her, how he comes back to take care of her, um, how he speaks about her after she's gone, all that stuff. Uh, She was an incredible mom to him specifically and knowing what he needed and, and helping him succeed. He obviously was very successful, went around the world, met tons of people, went to the White House like five he's times a gajillionaire uh, yeah he's got more money than god he's crazy uh, so i would say she is you know one of the champs as far as moms go i agree she is not on my list because <laughs> i knew she was on yours and i felt that was okay much like yeah. you knew martha kent was going to be on mine i will say i was convinced she was going to be your number one so i'm a it was a battle i'm very intrigued to see who who edged out mrs gump because i was like there is no way jake has her any lower 
the number mm-hmm. one. It's his favorite. It was a movie. battle. It's <laughs> it went back and forth for sure. Uh, no, Mrs. Gump. I agree. Everything he says perfect. I think what makes her such a profound mother is literally the impact her way of raising Forrest actually continued to impact his life through adulthood. Yeah. I mean, the like the first word spoken in the movie is mama always said, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, everything she did, she had the deepest impact on her son's life. And I, I love that she never treated Forrest. She never victimized Forrest. Yeah. Despite his disability, she never allowed him to hold that against himself. She never allowed the world to hold that against her son. And mm-hmm. that is so admirable. I see, you know, I, I, I have friends who have like special needs children and they are Mrs. Gump where it is just, nope. Yeah. The world will be damned if they look down at my kid. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's the right call. It's the right call. Um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Mm-hmm to be able to face that world and have that meant to and stick to it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, all the respect, like, it's mind blowing to me in the most respectful mm-hmm. way. Um, parenting is, it's a whole <laughs> new, different ball game, man. It's a whole, different it's a game. wild ride. Um, yeah. Awesome pick Jake. Awesome pick. I'm very <laughs> curious to know who edged her out. I almost don't oh, even yeah. care about my number one, but I do. I want to know. I said almost. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, my number one was, well, is Leanne Tui. Um, mm-hmm. I just think her character, I imagine meeting the real Leanne Tui would be one of the most yeah. intense, like, experiences of one's life just yeah how intimidating of a woman and i mean that in the best way oh for sure because she is so staunch on Mm. her beliefs and you are not going to move her when it comes to like the moral compass and you're not going to change her mind on what is right and what is wrong i think that's so admirable she is she has very strict boundaries with her family. She is very rigid in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but I also think scenes like the Thanksgiving scene and just the general little moments in the house, she is not near as rigid as right. I think the world would perceive her to be. I think she is actually very tender and very yeah. gentle. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell the whole family come first family is the absolute number one and the way that she takes michael under her wing and the way the whole family follows that example of you can just tell like Mm -hmm. their upbringing is literally compassion yeah period it's so (laughs) beautiful and sandra bullock is so amazing as this character i just everything about her i was like to me this character this mom is all the other moms on my list all bodied up into this one person Mm -hmm. put into an extreme situation. Well, she kind of takes it on herself to be in that extreme situation. 
yeah, it's not monsters or whatever, but it is, I mean, taking a kid off the street whose only life he ever knew was gangs, mm-hmm. drugs, violence, sex. Yeah. That is monstrous in its own way. And the fact that she just. Right. And she doesn't know anything about him. She doesn't yeah, know she just saw, she's inviting that life into her house or what she's doing. Yeah, she saw a kid in need and just knew what needed to be done. Yeah. I can only hope uh, us as a species could follow that example of just knowing when to do the right thing and what the right thing to do is. And just to have that confidence in it. Because um, yeah. even when she questions it, she's not really questioning it. She literally mm-hmm. is like, well, find out if there's like, if anything gets stolen during the night. And then her <laughs> primary concern the next morning is not if anything was stolen. Her primary concern is where's Michael? Michael, what are you doing? You are your home. Like this can be yeah. your home. I just, she's everything a mother to me should be. That's yeah. why she, she had to be number one for me. Not yeah. I love that about her that I, yeah, I knew of <laughs> course you love Sandra Bullock. You talk about her constantly, but I also love that about her that she is, you know, they're got their stuff together. They're fairly well off. Uh, but she has her priorities straight in the sense that she doesn't care about her things getting stolen as much as she cares about the possibility that this kid could need help and yeah. just needs a safe place to stay. Um, if they have things stolen, it's worth the chance that uh, it would have saved him during the night or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, she also does the thing where her friends, quote unquote friends, are pretty judgmental and kind of shitty. Uh, and so that group, that like kind of judgy high society Karen group, uh, she's like calls them out, cuts them off. She's like, this is not uh, not a priority compared to my family, which includes Michael. Yeah. It just like I love how she just shuts him up. Like, nope, <laughs> we're we're not going down this path. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, she's just she took number one. I I juggled quite a bit with her and Evelyn and Rosie. Mm-hmm. You know, those three really were just essentially they're all tied in my mind. But I had to sure put them numerically. But Sandra Bullock is Leanne Tui. Just she's all encompassing. That's why she took mm-hmm. number one for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, Like you, my top three kind of bounced around a lot. Like you said, my number one ended up having to be Rosie Betzler from Jojo Rabbit. (laughs) And her whole, like you said, her whole nature and energy is just the ideal mom to me. Like the best example of a mom unconditionally loving her child even when he's rebelling or claims to want to be something that he doesn't fully understand. Uh, and she can't really convince him that, no, you don't want to be a Nazi. Uh, and he, he just thinks it's cool and interesting and exciting. Uh, and she loves him anyway. Doesn't like, isn't harsh on him. Isn't like doing anything to damage their relationship. Just continuing to try to instill morals and guide him in, in, in good directions. Like you were saying, little, little hints at things that just kind of guide him in the right path. Even if he's interested in the obvious wrong path, uh, that's a unique challenge, uh, to handle as a mom. Um, but I think that 
even if she fundamentally and completely disagrees with something that he's into, the fact that it doesn't shut her off or she doesn't, she isn't like mean to him or, or, or super strict or anything. She's understanding. I get it. We're in the middle of this thing. They have uniforms. It's, it's fun. Uh, but she knows overall it's not fun. She, but she still relates to her son as, as a mom. She's able to like still be a mom in this mm -hmm. seriously dark and complicated time when your whole town is overrun by Nazis. You're hiding a Jewish girl in your house at the same time, but she's still able to be silly with him and connect on his level with him and relate to him. And I think that's why it ultimately gets through. And when he discovers that there's a little Jewish girl, his mom's voice in his head is, is stronger than yeah. his imaginary friend Hitler in his voice <laughs> saying, Hey, you should sell out this Jewish girl. It'd be totally cool, bro. Uh, and I think that that level of instilling morality and everything is just a successful parent. If you can yeah. do that, which she did, that's the goal. Um, and, and she does it in the most extreme circumstance. So that's why I think she's at kind of at the top there. It's fair. She's such an incredible character mm -hmm. that she just is. Cause not only is she being mother, you know, a true mom to Jojo, but in a way, she has to be a kind of a mother figure for Elsa. Yeah, for sure. And she's taken on that responsibility and she doesn't bat an eye about it. Uh, yeah. I just think that it's, she's such a powerful character and Scarlett Johansson plays her just so like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's flawless. <laughs> it's, it really is flawless. And she's, I just, what a beautiful movie and the character is just yeah everything you said is spot on rosie is just she is such a powerful mom and i do every time i watch it i do believe like it is solely her parenting and the the subtle things that she says to jojo mm -hmm. that combat and ultimately overcome his brainwashing yeah um, I just, oh, oh, it's so good. People, <laughs> if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, what is wrong with you? Go watch this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you make it through Jojo Rabbit without shedding a tear, <laughs> I don't believe you watch Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it's it's the one that I think is most like Life is Beautiful, uh, which you brought up earlier. This is the mom version, and Life is Beautiful is the dad version. <laughs> Oh, man. That's it. That's our top 10. All right. Congratulations, moms. We appreciate you. We celebrate you. Uh, I, what honorable mentions? Do you uh, despite the ones that we've already mentioned, um, I, I will say uh, it's kind of a hard movie to find, but if you can find it, it's worth a watch. Um, Rusty Dennis from the movie Mask. She's played by Cher. She's another okay. mom. Her son is born with like a, a rare deformity. And she, much like Mrs. Gump, raises her son to, you are no different. If you okay. want something, you go for it. You work for it. She's a pretty, she's a tough as nails mom, but she's an incredible mom. 
And that's another movie that'll rip out your heartstrings. Um, I gotta go with some more comic booky shit. She's not exactly right. mom, but she is as mom as this character has ever known. I gotta have Aunt May from the Spider-Man movies. Like, yeah, pick one. I don't care which one. It's Aunt May. <laughs> she raised Peter Parker. Come on. Yeah, and then oh, the hot one. Perhaps our gen- one of the most impactful mother figures for our generation. Um. Littlefoot's mom from the land before time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people might laugh and be like, Dustin put a children's movie honorable mention. Go watch the land before time. Yeah. That obviously describes that you've never seen the land before time. <laughs> and you don't know how delicious a tree a star tree looks. Star. Oh, the tree stars. <laughs> oh, land before time. That's a movie, folks. That is indeed a movie. Uh, Okay, my honorable mentions. uh, I had Carol Brander from Just Friends because (laughs) I don't know that a week goes by that we don't quote her in some respect the way that she's just an innocent, oblivious, sweet mom uh, when her kids are just kind of running, grown up and running amok. What ham did Uh, you slap? Yeah, we say that constantly. Uh, she's hilarious. Uh, and then Lena Hetty's character as the mom in uh, Fighting With My Family. Okay. Where she plays, uh, uh, I'm completely blanking on her name, uh, but she plays the mom of this these two kids who are like, they're like a wrestling family. <laughs> and uh, she she does a really, really good job, actually. And it's really funny to see her, Lena Hetty's version Versus the real mom, and then credits like they're spot on. That's just oh, what, really? exactly what it was. That's cool. yeah, it's hilarious. And then uh, the the next most notable one I could come up with had to be Vivica A. Fox in Independence Day. <laughs> even though she's dating Will Smith, even though she's a stripper, she meets the first lady. She saves her life. She's raising this kid. Uh, it, she's awesome. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being a stripper. You got. I'm not. I just think it's funny that you threw in Independence Day. (laughs) She was one of those mom figures that I was like, "Oh yeah, she's like," and she's a prominent mom in the movie. Yeah, but then I was like, "No, I'm not going to put her on." I do have one more. (laughs) Since you brought up a Christmas movie, I'm going to bring one up too. Um, She only has like two scenes in the whole movie, but her character is. So perfectly done. Uh, Mrs. Roberts from the night before. Oh, yeah. Particularly the dinner scene with her at the table. The way that she talks (laughs) to all the characters and interacts with them. And the way that she takes just the silliness at the table. But she brings it down to such a very real moment. Mm -hmm. And what she has to say is just so, like, poignant. Uh, Mrs. Roberts is that's the scene every time I watch that movie where I'm like, Oh, here she comes. She's going to be talking to me. I always feel that it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I love how that's just like a a thing. Like they capture that feeling so perfectly where your, your kids friends, even though they're all grown up, they're still your son's friends and you treat them kind of the same way as like an extension of 
gotta feed you, gotta yeah, do all this stuff. They're pseudo kids. I mean, yeah, I had friends whose families did that with me, and my mom and dad did that with them. It was a mm-hmm. thing, and that movie and that scene particularly really resonates with me because we're all in our thirties, and I guarantee <laughs> if I still lived near home. Yeah, I could walk in the door. You could walk in the door. My folks would still be yeah. like, "Oh, hey!" Like it's just a thing you do. <laughs> yeah, you want to stay for dinner? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think that's all I got. Yeah. Um, what are we doing next week? Oh, yeah, next week is uh, not quite as wholesome. But I hope. Oh this my god! I'm for you. so excited for next week. <laughs> next I cannot wait. Next week is going to be a trip. <laughs> next week we're doing a double feature. We normally do our dissection episodes of one movie, but we're going to do two because they are very closely tied, and one informs the other. So we're doing The Room, which is the best bad movie of all time, and. <laughs> The Disaster Artist, which is the the movie about the and making fictionalized, of yeah, based on the book of the room. It's a whole weird thing, but, and I, it's so ridiculous the whole thing <laughs> that I can't wait to break it all down. Yeah, it's been a few years since I watched the room. Um, I'm curious and looking forward to rewatching it. <laughs> And I'm sure I'm going to have all the same thoughts that everyone to this day is still having of who the fuck is Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> yeah. He's a mysterious and incredible person. Uh, I, if you've never seen the room, you should watch it. It's, it's just, a, you should go, maybe go into it knowing that it's a hilariously bad movie. When I sat my wife down to watch it, I did not tell her anything about it. I was like, we need to watch this movie. And she was like, okay. She believed me at the time. Now she knows better not to do that. <laughs> um, and it was probably 30 minutes into it. She was like, what the fuck are we watching? And then probably about 30 minutes in, she started laughing. And she started to get it and get how ridiculous it is. And ended up really having a fun time with it. So yeah. it's hilarious. I had you someone ask love me it. what the room was and what it's about. And I literally looked at them and told them, I don't know how to explain that movie. I don't even, I actually don't know what the movie is about, but it's about Tommy. But you shouldn't see it, but you should. You should definitely see it. See it. It's one of those things you need to experience in order to believe it exists because it's so ridiculous. It's so, it's. So we're, we're doing a, a double dissection, uh, trying to figure out who Tommy Wiseau is. Um, <laughs> tell me you've seen the trailer for his his new movie. Oh, yeah, the shark thing. Yes, yes. As soon as it came out and they were like, I, I, I was wondering where he went. And now that I know he's still making movies, I'm so happy. <laughs> because I will absolutely watch it. He's a... Enigma of a person, <laughs> and we something. need to. So that'll be very uh, special. That'll be a, a a fun one. It'll be an interesting one. We mm. might need a couple beers for that one. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got, guys. Um, if you haven't already, go pick up some some fun merch. 
uh, while yes. it's still there. I think is it still going to be there with this? It is still going to be there for like two more weeks when this comes okay, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Memorial Day weekend, we're switching up the merch store, and it's going to be all, all new stuff. So uh, we have get fun it stuff. Less. Fun stuff like we're we're on puzzles now. We are puzzles. Our oh, faces yeah, are puzzles. We're on puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is like the most fun thing for me. I just think that's. I know you are a giant puzzle nerd <laughs> who has done more puzzles in one year than I've done in my entire life. I was doing so. a puzzle before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make you happy. I love puzzles. They're so good. Uh, so go get your, your, your swag and uh, we will see you next time guys. All right. Thanks, everybody.